Hi, I'm Bernard Leung and you may know me as the executive who focuses on drone cargo delivery in China. But in my spare time, I want to understand why Meituan Dianping is poised for a major IPO in Hong Kong and you are listening to Analyze Asia, a weekly podcast dedicated to business technology and media in Asia. And today, I have Lisa Lin, reporter from Wall Street Journal in China, in my new studio and hot seat. Welcome, Lisa, and it's great to have you back again. Hi, Bernard. It's good to be back. Thanks for having me. Well, since our last conversation, what have you been up to? Well, there's a lot happening in the internet space. So the last conversation was more than a year ago. So, you know, the internet landscape in China has shifted so quickly. There are new players. It's not just Baidu, Alibaba, and Tencent anymore. Nowadays, you hear about companies like Toutiao, Meituan, Dianping, Didi, and these up-and-coming, basically, technology apps. So I've been really looking to the money flows and what's happening in the competitive landscape in China's internet space. And there are a couple of IPOs that are going to be very exciting, and one of them is the Xiaomi IPO, right? Yes, indeed. Every time I look at news reports on Xiaomi, I feel like their valuation has been falling or proposed valuation has been dropping. So we'll see. But that will be an exciting one. In the last year that you look at the China internet space, is it mainly focused on the smart retail, the things that are happening between Alibaba and Tencent? Well, that's been part of my coverage. But for the last year, a lot has also happened in other areas beyond software. I would say artificial intelligence has been a big part of my coverage. So not just... Alibaba and Tencent. I've done a lot of stuff on facial recognition and how China is using facial recognition in surveillance spaces. So that's been a bulk of my coverage. And also, you know, regulation changes. The current administration under Xi Jinping has been getting very tight and strict on content. So how has regulation changed on that, on data privacy, on data flows cross borders? So yeah, you know, it's been a very exciting space, not just on the Alibaba Tencent side, but, you know, on the entire China internet and software technology landscape. I bet you don't have the problem as Google would be because by just selling the face recognition software to the military, Google has already having a lot of pushback. I don't think Chinese companies have that kind of problem. <laughs> they definitely don't. I mean, a lot of the face recognition companies come, count the government as like a key customer at this point. You know, because there's just quite a lot of demand from the Chinese government on wanting to know more or there's definitely a lot of demand from the Chinese government for such use for using such technologies to govern. So I've gotten you here because I think there's a major IPO that's coming in Hong Kong and it's on one of the TMD, Total Meituan Dianping and Didi, and we're talking about Meituan Dianping which they call themselves the Amazon of services in China. My first question to ask you is, can you briefly describe the company Meituan Dianping and why it is given the status of TMD in a Chinese technology world, meaning how important are them in terms of being the second wave of internet giants in China? Sure, sure. So Meituan Dianping, I mean, from, you know how in the past we always used to describe a Chinese company as being China's like Amazon or China's Facebook or China's Twitter. Well, in this case, Meituan Dianping really kind of defies that easy comparison. Uh, there's nothing very much similar in the US I could use to say that Meituan Dianping is China's blah, blah, blah. Meituan Dianping, actually, it's a combination of a couple of services that you could find in the US, but they do it all through one app. They see themselves as almost a platform, a one-stop super platform for all sorts of consumer and lifestyle services. 
So think about Yelp reviews that you you know use Yelp for restaurant reviews, merchant reviews. One of Meituan services is to provide real user restaurant reviews, store reviews, merchant reviews, anything from you know a hot pot restaurant down the street to a yoga studio down by your, on your next block. And another. You know, they have many other business units too. It's not just the reviews. So they have something similar to Grubhub and Seamless. It's like food delivery services, food delivered right to your doorstep, all using that same app. They also make money from selling vouchers, the way Groupon in the US would do. And if you think about Kayak or a Priceline or a Sea Trip, for example, Meituan also has hotel and travel bookings. I would say it's like a supermarket for all sorts of consumer lifestyle services that you need, except that it's online and it's using one app. And they recently got into ride-hailing services as well, if I didn't recall wrongly. <laughs> That's right. The question I really want to ask, because you live in China, how does a typical Chinese consumer access Meituan And you talk about some of the products and services they provide. How do these services that are commonly used, can you describe some of these services that are commonly used by users of Meituan Yeah, sure. So Meituan has, they currently have two apps. One is Meituan, one is Dianping. And I think the bulk, this happened because it's more of a legacy effect. In 2015, Meituan bought over and some, somehow merged with Dianping. And that's why they have two apps. But most Chinese consumers log on to the platform using that app, either Meituan or Dianping. How would I describe it? You would see on your cell phone screen several options. So the options you would see would be food delivery or let's search for nearby restaurants or let's search for nearby fitness places or a ride-hailing tab that you could click as well. So that's how most consumers get on the app and use the app. And I realized I didn't answer your earlier question about the TMDs. So maybe I can quickly just kind of run you through it now. So the TMDs are basically seen as, it's an acronym basically, coined for the next set of up-and-coming technology giants in China. And they refer to Toutiao, which is a mobile content company. So Toutiao owns a few of China's most popular content apps. Take, for example, they own Douyin. Douyin is a video streaming platform that has become a big hit in China. Maybe to back up a bit. Toutiao's parent company owns these apps and they're just they're commonly known as Toutiao in China because of the very first app they pushed out, which is Jingwei Toutiao, today's or translated to today's headlines, which is a news aggregator that uses an AI algorithm to push you content that it thinks that you would like to read. So Jingwei Toutiao, if you logged on to that app, would push you content based on your reading history. So for example, if I liked to read about certain celebrity in China, they would remember that and they would keep pushing me similar stories about celebrities in China or celebrities in Hong Kong or very, very similar topics. They use computer algorithms to predict what you might like to read and keep pushing you out that content. So it's actually become very sticky in China, especially in the smaller tier cities or the smaller second, third tier cities. And then, you know, TMD is an acronym, right? So M would refer to Meituan, which is the company we're talking about today. And then D would refer to Didi, which is a ride-hailing giant valued at $55 billion at its last fundraising. I think it was interesting to talk about Toutiao. The, com- the apparent company is called ByteDance. And I think Toutiao, Douyin is all under ByteDance. And 
they use a lot of artificial intelligence. And I think the founder's name is called Zhang Yiming. That's right. Yeah, that's the one. So people tend to refer to ByteDance as Total when you just kind of casually reference it in China. But you're right, Bernard. It's the parent company is called ByteDance. What's the current revenue of Meituan Dianping? And as far as I understand from your reporting, they are not profitable, but they're really running at a loss before their upcoming IPO in Hong Kong that's valuing them at 60 billion US dollars, right? That's right. I mean, it's unsurprising that they're running at a loss because right now China's internet landscape is very, very competitive. Your pool of internet users, especially in the big cities where a lot of these apps compete, that's not growing at the exponential speeds that we saw maybe five years ago, six years ago. So right now, in order to attract and retain users, a lot of these internet companies, especially consumer-facing ones, tend to resort to subsidies. And in this case, Meituan, which is in the food delivery space and the ride-hailing space, they're up against two very, I would say, deep-pocketed rivals. So in the food delivery space, Meituan is facing up against one of Alibaba's units, Alama. And in order to, I guess, maintain and grow their market share, both Alama and Meituan have given consumers pretty decent subsidies to be using their app. So if you think about how Chinese tech companies compete, it's not about differentiating their services as much, but you know, one of the fastest ways for them to grow their user base and to grow their market share is obviously subsidies. So by subsidizing the consumer, maybe 10% of his order or 20% of his you know, total trip fare, uh, you could very easily get a lot of Chinese consumers on your side, especially because Chinese consumers are well known to do a lot of price comparisons and to be a little bit more attuned to the price differences. So I remember in the early days when Ethan Deming talked about the IPO, they always wanted to do in the US, in the New York Stock Exchange. So why did they switch to Hong Kong now? Is it because that Hong Kong is starting to allow fewer class shares and also because of the current trade war that is going on between China and the US, so it may be safer to actually listen in Hong Kong instead. So I can't really speak for Meituan Dianping's management on what the decision was, but it does seem to be that Hong Kong's change in regulation to allow dual-class shares has been a big factor in attracting a lot of tech companies, not just Meituan, but you know Xiaomi included, to lists over there. If you really think about the number of technology companies that are listed in Hong Kong beyond Tencent and maybe the recent, you know, China Literature and a couple of other, you know, more smaller tech companies, you don't really see a big tech company actually listed in Hong Kong. So I suspect that might have played into their decision less of the trade war because I almost feel like the trade war hasn't really affected money flows between the retail investors. I actually have met Wang Xing in person before he became so famous with as the CEO of Meituan Dianping. Can you talk about him? And he has a history actually in building Renrin, which was originally known as the Facebook of China, and Fanfo, which is the first generation of Twitter clones that got shut down before Xingna Weibo came out. Yeah, sure. So in, in the course of my reporting, we sat down with Wang Xing in his Beijing headquarters for two hours. 
and you know we pressed him on all sorts of topics all the way from how do you decide which areas you want to expand into which local services you want to go into all the way from that to subsidy a subsidy wall with DD to international expansion and even to his meeting with Apple's Tim Cook so when Tim Cook was here last December he actually had dumplings with Wang Xin in the Shanghainese restaurant. Wang Xin and his team were showing Tim Cook how to scan a QR code on the table of the restaurant, place your order, and just pay everything just through your mobile phone. So that was actually one of the topics that we spoke about. So a little bit about Wang Xin. Wang Xin is a relatively young entrepreneur. He's 39. He graduated from Tsinghua University in Beijing with a degree in radio technology and information systems. He's pretty fluent in English, so after his Tsinghua University degree, he went to the University of Delaware uh, to start a PhD program. However, halfway he decided that that wasn't the path he wanted to take, so he dropped out to become an entrepreneur. His first The startup was a social media knockoff of Facebook, which he eventually sold to a local competitor. And then later he tried again with Fanfo, which is kind of the Chinese version of Twitter. However, that business was unfortunately shut down by the Chinese government in 2009, following some unrest in the Xinjiang region, which the state media blamed on social media. Yeah, so he is, you know... I would say a serial entrepreneur. I would almost describe him as like third time lucky, <laughs> just because this is his third venture, and you know, third time he got very lucky. Because now Meituan Dianping is worth at its last fundraising thirty billion dollars. So it's you know, it's a it's a decently huge company of which. Is one of China's top three largest tech startups, and he's very and very nice person because I actually just approached him by cold calling him when I was thinking about moving to Beijing. But one of the things I really walked out after the conversation and it's still etched in my mind is that he always made this comment: "There's no chance any U.S. company coming into China and succeed because they will fail." He was very confident that <laughs> it would cr- any U.S. company would be crushed in China. I think that was the thing that I walked out talking to him, and that, I think that was in two thousand eight. Well, okay. he's probably right in ninety percent of them. <laughs> why? Why did he say that? No, we were just talking about the U.S. internet companies and Chinese internet companies because at that point in time, I was just thinking whether I should move to Beijing, and he was saying that if you want to stay in Beijing, you should just think Chinese, be Chinese, and really focus on building the startup on China for China. And when I asked him about what he thinks about the internet startups from the U.S., he said that there's no chance for these companies, and he. Said it so forcefully that it keeps aging on my mind. No chance. It's the word that he's a interesting person. I thought I'm so glad to have that 20 minutes time with him over at the Tsinghua Starbucks Cafe. But that's where all the Chinese entrepreneurs used to hang out in Zhongguanzhou. Yeah, I mean, I was actually very impressed when I met with Wang Xing in person. He's very focused. Whenever you ask him why did you expand into a certain area or why did you decide to have To start this company, he has a logical flow of thought to kind of explain it. So, if you asked him why he expanded into ride hailing or why did he decide food delivery, it's never like an impulse that he suddenly wanted to do it. He has good reasoning and good logic behind most of his moves. Because I think a lot of people would not have expected Nathan to go into ride hailing. 
but yet he, he had the gut to do it. So it, it's quite interesting. Yeah. And he was telling me how in his spare time, you know, he likes to read and sometimes he likes to look at maps as well. So he would compare historical maps with current day maps to see how things have changed. You know, it's, it was a very, I, I left definitely impressed. What is interesting to me also is that Meituan Yeping has a history with both Alibaba and Tencent. I think it was first invested by the former and then they switched sides to be with Tencent. What has Alibaba done to start competing with them and why did they ally with Tencent later then? Yeah, I guess it would be the colorful part of Meituan Dianping's history. Alibaba decided to form a unit called Kobe, which is actually very similar to the review site or the review side of the service that Meituan Dianping has. So Kobe is a service that has a homepage very similar to Meituan Dianping in which you could search out merchants in your the area that you're located in. So you could find restaurants, you can find yoga studios, you can find plumbers, you could find tuition teachers, tattoo places, all through Kobe. And just very similarly, you could find the same thing through Meituan. And on the back end, they also, you know, one thing in common is they also provide very similar services to businesses as Meituan does. So Meituan provides a lot of, some part of their revenue actually comes from selling services to merchants, for example, helping merchants digitize the back end of their operations, you know, selling them equipment that they use to digitize their operation, like point of sale terminals to take digital payments, for example, you know, that's one of it. And Kobe's goal was also quite similar to help empower these merchants through loans or um, helping them go digital. So that was already one salvo. The second hit, I guess, the Alibaba tried was they started backing a food delivery startup that was in direct competition with Meituan. And this was Ulama. And sometime this year, Alibaba dis- decided to acquire Ulama fully. So right now, Alibaba have, has gone from being an investor in Meituan to actually a competitor with Meituan. And somewhat famously, Alibaba actually sold off most of its initial stake in Meituan. And this was a couple of years ago. Then why did they go with Tencent then? Because the enemy of my enemy is my friend? <laughs> I don't know. You really have to ask Wang Xing that, but I don't think it's a bad idea. I mean, in China's internet and startup space now, if you had to be allied with a company, you would choose either Alibaba or Tencent. You know, they're both seen as juggernauts in the space and they can direct traffic to you. So why not? I think just now we were talking about Meituan Dianping entered into the right hailing space and the backstory I heard is that both Wang Xing and Chen Wei were buddies before this happened I'm very curious to understand what was the rationale to actually enter into the right hailing space I mean you got you spent two hours with him he probably talked a little bit about that right <laughs> okay why don't you tell me the backstory first I'm quite curious I, I was told that they were both buddies as in they actually like share best practices how to be a internet giant you know there's Meituan Dianping was evolving and then Didi was evolving and then suddenly there was just Meituan Dianping just went into right hailing and then they just went from friends to enemies literally overnight and this seems to be like the common team of the Chinese internet companies it's almost like saying if you were to think of the equivalent would be something along the ways like what happened to Steve Jobs and Eric Schmidt when Google went to develop Android after the iPhone came out. So it's that kind of competition. Backstory aside, right? 
why would they want to go into ride hailing? Is it because they already aggregated so much services on t- in terms of food delivery, in terms of deals, in terms of restaurants, and they felt that maybe the next part is transportation? Yeah, so you mentioned me speaking to Wang Xing, and that definitely was one of the questions I asked him. And, you know, if you hear him talk, you can understand the rationale of why. So Meituan's biggest asset is its large pool of more than 300 million users in China. And I believe that's second to Alibaba. So Alibaba's Taobao has more users, but no other, you know, to see company that sells services or goods has that many number of users. So what can you do with so many users? How do you tap their potential? And one way is to cross-sell your services across your platform. So right now, Meituan has what they call high-frequency services. So high-frequency services would be things that you would use the app for on a daily or maybe weekly basis. So I would order food delivery with Meituan, for example. And that's a high-frequency service because I'm constantly going back to use it. But at the same time, because I have the Meituan app downloaded and on my cell phone, if I were looking for a tattoo parlor, for example, let's say I want to get a cool tattoo on my arm, I would also refer back to Meituan. So it's using high-frequency services to engage and hook in the consumer, then actually cross-selling other lower-frequency services like travel bookings or vouchers to a tattoo parlor that actually, you know, it's one way for Meituan to monetize its customers. So if you think about it that way, you know, ride hailing is not a very far-fetched idea because the consumers already use your app to buy vouchers to a restaurant. Consumers already use your app to get food delivery for lunch when they're at work. So why can't they just use that same app to do ride hailing? When they started rolling out the service, I understood even more why it was a good idea. Because in China, when someone asks me out or I'm going out with friends, the first thing I do is we look for a place. And we typically go on Meituan to look for a restaurant to go to. And then you send the link to the restaurant over to your friend over WeChat, for example. And when your friend clicks on that link, it immediately opens up a page to the restaurant telling you former user reviews, what are the recommended dishes that you should try at the restaurant. And then now, they also have a location map telling you where the restaurant is. And now, if you click on that location map, there is an option to call a car to the restaurant from wherever you are. So it's actually quite smart because when I look at the restaurant, I always click on the location map to get directions to it. So now it's just a simple like next step, another additional step to get a car to send me to the restaurant. So it makes a lot of sense. So why haven't we seen the reverse where Didi should also do what Meituan Tianping is doing too? <laughs> I think the thing is, Meituan has, I believe, more than 1. Point, I think it's 1.3 billion real-life user reviews to these merchants. And those reviews you know, have not been accumulated overnight. It's taken like a long process of about 10 years for the company, originally Dianping, to be accumulating all these real-life reviews. And that is like an asset that Didi cannot replicate, at least not very quickly. I'm probably curious to know, where do you see Meituan Dianping's evolution in China will be in the next one, two years? I mean, would they focus on international expansion? Because I know that they are following where Tencent is going and they're starting to have activity in Indonesia. So, or they will focus much more deeper into services within China. Yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting question because, you know, domestic expansion, the domestic market is still growing. 
And the domestic consumption market, especially, is still kind of in its early stages of growth. There's a lot of potential in China that they don't really have to go overseas. So I did ask Wang Xing this question. I asked him, "What what are your plans to go international?" And he said that they do have aspirations for the global market, but because their business is really mainly catering to local merchants, they're in no hurry to expand outside of China. His thinking is also. They see a huge room for growth in China. Why stretch yourself to go overseas so quickly when you can still tap the growth here? That said, you know he has two ways that he's thinking of expanding internationally. So the first way is to cater to Chinese consumers who are traveling overseas, for example. So you know Chinese consumers going to Thailand. If you opened May Twenty and Ping in Thailand, you would see very similar things that you would see in China. So you would see. Recommended merchants. You might see vouchers. You know, and it's not just Thailand. In the U.S., for example, that would happen too, and and all these other countries that are hotbeds for Chinese tourists. And as more Chinese get wealthier and more of them travel outside of China, you know, I think Meituan will do pretty well expanding in that area, as opposed to opening a Meituan Dianping catering to Thai locals, for example, or American locals. Because that's really actually not their niche. And the second thing that he says they're doing to expand overseas is what you mentioned earlier. So they're going overseas to investments. So they recently invested in GoDeck, which is one of the largest internet platforms in Indonesia. They do, among other things, like bike hailing and stuff like that. And they also invested in India in Swiggy, which is a food delivery platform. Yeah. So long story short, Meituan Dianping has global aspirations, but because the domestic market is so huge, you know, they'll focus on China first and then start with Chinese companies traveling abroad when they expand overseas. Pretty similar to the other strategies, like what Tencent and Alibaba is doing in the region by investing, and instead of trying to target the global audience, they target the Chinese who are going to these markets like Southeast Asia. Is it just because they think that it's hard to get the users outside China? And stay with their base, which I find it pretty interesting, but also at the same time very ironic, right? Because they are unable to customize or localize their service for a local market. I don't know if they need to, though. I mean, I beg to differ on that point because I feel like the Chinese consumer market is big enough. You know, it's a market of 1.3 billion customers, and every year they're seeing their incomes growing because because of economic growth. So. When you have such a huge consumer market to cater to, you know why would you stretch yourself or go into another area? I mean that can come. I'm sure that can come maybe a couple years down the road. You know when you feel like the Chinese consumer market has started to consumer market growth has started to stagnate or slow down. But at this point, when people are looking to spend, they're earning more, they're looking for a better quality of life. There's a lot the Chinese companies can do to just cater to that. Why give up that niche or that market to another Chinese company to do so? Yeah, I probably think so. I mean, there's a very interesting data point, right? Only 10% of the Chinese population actually have passports that allow them to travel internationally. Can you imagine if you just increase by another 10%, you will make traveling and especially in those international markets, it will give them so much opportunity to grow as well. Exactly, exactly. And if you are a Chinese technology company right now or a mobile app company, you know you you have a base of maybe 800 million 
people in China who have smartphones and are logging onto the internet using smartphones. And they're doing everything on their smartphone, everything from mobile payments to online shopping to food delivery, right? So you have this base that's still growing rapidly. So it makes sense that these companies want to kind of stay home or, or keep their focus at home. Yeah, I think this will be a story that we'll continue to monitor. I think it has been a very exciting year for all of us who's been watching all the internet activity that's going on in China. But in closing, Lisa, I would like to ask you two questions and definitely I would love you to be back. The first question for me is, can you recommend me a book, movie, podcast or anything else that has recently impacted your personal or work life? So, I mean, I would say if your audience is looking for something to read, I would actually, a little bit shamelessly, recommend the Wall Street Journal's series of stories last year that we wrote about China as a surveillance state. It, it was a, a, a big team of us all working together, working long hours and, you know, traveling to small villages and getting doors slammed in our face constantly. We worked over a couple of months to, on a series of stories on how China uses all the different technologies to keep its citizens in check in in places such as Xinjiang, which is one of China's most restive regions. I had a colleague who wrote about how WeChat was monitored and so sometimes used to silence dissent. And personally, I, I wrote a couple of stories as well on how Alibaba and Tencent are actually, they have fewer checks and balances when the police ask them for consumer information than in the US or in other parts of the world. And of course, you know, the lead story to that is how face recognition was started being used as you know, a tool by the police to catch criminals and stuff. And this was in, I think, end June last year. And right now we're seeing, you know, people, petty criminals getting caught at Zhang Xueyong, which is a very famous Hong Kong celebrity. We're getting, seeing people getting caught at celebrity concerts. So Zhang Xueyong's recent concerts have been an example of how they're using face recognition technology to catch criminals. <laughs> wow. Have their face scan <laughs> and run against a database of like petty criminals or wanted lists from the police. And if you turn up on that database, then they take you away. I'm not sure if you saw that. Yeah, I back to the phone that I think it's okay to use facial recognition to catch criminals. <laughs> but I guess I guess it's just that how the technology is used is another question. So how do my audience find you then? Sure. They can find me through my email. So lisa.lin at wsj.com. I'm on Twitter and my handle is at Liz underscore in underscore Shanghai. So those are probably the best ways that they can get in touch with me. And you can just Google my name, Bernard Leung, and you'll probably find me at Twitter, my website, and everywhere else. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Acast. And of course, please give me your five-star ratings on iTunes or recommend us with a star on Overcast, Pocket Cast, and everywhere else. So once again, uh, Lisa, thank you for coming on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me.